Um, in most of our versions, like NIV and things like that, it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, all these whatevers. So last week we said, okay, what is true? We looked at that, and, and really we, we got down to who is the truth, talked about Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look at the second word that Paul mentions, this whatever we should be focused on, that we should, as he says here, fix our thoughts on, and it's this word uh, honorable, or it could be noble, depending on your different versions that you might have. Um, I want to read to you also the same passage, but from the message version, which is a paraphrase, but I really love how this is written. It says this, this is verses 8 and 9. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. That's a good harmony to be in, right? So we have here this honorable uh, in the New Living Translation, noble in the message, and NIV, and, and other versions. They're the same, honorable and noble. And this is what Paul is saying, one of the many whatevers. He's saying we should fix our thoughts on, we should meditate on, we should consider this and put it into practice. Now, I know good and well that some of you are going to be so done with me talking about what I talk about today, but I got to talk about it because it's a really important in the life and, and what's going on in our church and in our denomination and what's to come this Wednesday. Um, so bear with me if you're tired of hearing it. But I think it's important for us to make sure we understand and we know where we are and that you have made a decision. So when I look at these words that Paul's written in Philippians 4, 8, 9, I really, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are, but <laughs> this is what I've been looking at. I, it's, it's a very good passage to share with you at this time in the history of the Porch Community Church. So I mentioned earlier, three days from now. On Wednesday, March 23rd, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a vote in here on disaffiliation from the United Methodist denomination. Now, if you're in a community group, you've been talking about this, right? It's, we've been talking about it the last several weeks. Uh, if you've listened to our uh, podcast, some of, many of our episodes have been dedicated to this. Um, so you might have been doing those. Um, if you've been coming and listening to the messages, you have heard us talk about that as well. And some of you have been doing your own research and reading because I've had many of you ask me, like, hey, can you tell me this link or that link or, or whatever, whatever. Um, but, uh, and so I'm glad for that because you're, you're thinking and you're, and you're wanting to know more. I say all this to say with all of the issues in the United Methodist Church, and I'll touch on those in a minute, the words in Philippians chapter 4, true Noble, reputable, authentic, pure, praiseworthy, excellent. Those words, I'm telling you, if you went and did a Google search right now for what's going on in the UMC, <laughs> those words are not popping up. They're not. Those words are not coming up. Those words aren't happening. Words like division are coming up. Words like debate are coming up. 
Words like denial are coming up. These kinds of words are the words that will pop up. Those are the kinds that you would find in all this. And I will say, so the United Methodist Church is, it's big, the denomination. It's, it's, it's tremendous. It goes all over the earth. Um, we are in a conference, the South Georgia Conference. And I'm, and I'm really thankful that the South Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church is not really defined by those terms like division and denial delusion in some cases in debate it's not defined by that but however and this is an important however in the context of the entire united methodist denomination we are connected because we're connected by name we're we're connected by association we're connected by by a shared governing policy whether we adhere to that policy or not is one of the problems but we're, we're connected to this by creed, by articles of faith. We're connected by our finances. We're connected. So in the larger uh, national, in the, even the international context, we are connected and we are affected by division and debate and denial and delusion. And all these things, this, this ugly public debate, these mixed messages have gone on, not just recently, but for decades. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind, and I know many people who would concur, <laughs> that this has most certainly been a hindrance to the witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. And I would even say here in South Georgia. Paul says in Philippians 4.8, for us to fix our thoughts on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Our conference, the South Georgia Conference, has Episcopal leadership. We have a bishop. His name is David Graves. Pray for Bishop Graves. You'll understand why I say that in just a moment. Bishop Graves, a few weeks ago, encouragingly, he put out a video for pastors and churches And he said he wants churches, he wants pastors, he wants us to be focused on the mission and the ministry of making disciples for the transformation of the world. And that is amen. Amen. That's the purpose of the church, isn't it? That, That is the purpose of the church. Bishop Graves then went on to make a notable distinction that I wanna I wanna talk about for a moment this morning. And I understand why he said this, but I want to talk about it. He then said, let's focus on leading and not leaving. Let's focus on leading and not leaving. And I totally see why he and his position as a bishop sees that leading and leaving are an either or decision. You either got to lead or you got to leave. Either or. See, Bishop Graves is tasked with bringing Episcopal leadership to not one conference, but two conferences He oversees all the churches and the pastors within those churches in the Alabama-West Florida Conference and in the South Georgia Conference. So he has two conferences. And you put that that many United Methodists, and the southeastern part of the United States has the most United Methodists of anywhere, except for like Africa. So you think about this. He is trying to hold together as the bishop uh, to bring leadership to, um, godly leadership to, one of, if not the largest portion of United Methodists in the United States, and he's trying to hold that together. 
I do not envy his position. And I'll say it again. Pray for Bishop Graves. Now, encouragingly, Bishop Graves said this in the the video he sent out, but I also heard him say it in person in a a meeting, and I've read it elsewhere. Um, He has repeatedly assured pastors and churches in our conference that he he wants to help churches go where they think they need to go. That he will do his part to help them go where they need to go. So... I could see how some would look at leading or leaving as that either or decision. You either got to lead or you got to leave, either or. But when I look at that and I think of those two words, I see leading and leaving as a both and. I don't see it as an either or. I see it as a both and, that we can both lead and leave, and that it's actually a noble and honorable decision to make. See, as your pastor, as your lead pastor, I can lead and at the same time do my part to help the Porch Community Church nobly and honorably leave the denomination. So it's not an either or. I see it as a both and. On Wednesday, um, when we come together for this historic vote, everyone will be given a ballot and, and on that ballot, how you choose to mark that, it will, it will indicate the convictions with which you're standing on. And some of you will vote yes, and, and you're saying, I want, we want to uphold the orthodox, traditional faith that the United Methodist Church was founded on. We want to uphold it. And that by saying yes to that and saying we, we want to lead in the, and standing our convictions in that way, you're, you're also saying we wanna, I want to leave a broken or tired, overinflated, but also at the same time shrinking, which is strange, but that's kind of how the denomination is, ungovernable denomination mired in inconsistency in its message, and I would say therefore impotent in its message to for the kingdom of God. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he said this, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case unless... They hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. Hold fast to doctrine, spirit, and discipline. Paul says to fix our thoughts on what is true and on what is honorable, what is perfect, what is right. Now this whole disaffiliation conversation, the determination on how you will vote. I know for most of you, it is an easy decision. I know that. It's, it's a simple, prayerful, yep, I'm in step with this. And, and, and you're like, yes, these are my convictions. This is what I'm going to do. And, and like I said at the outset, you're probably kind of wishing we'd move, move off of this topic, and we, we will. 
But I also know that for some others of you, this conversation to disaffiliate has come with some really deep introspection and some prayer and questions. And you might even wonder, have wondered, like, does this, church, does this church really love our community or do they not? When our friend, uh, Reverend Jimmy Towson from Park Avenue was here in February, he showed a picture of an iceberg, Right? And it was the one of, you know, both below, above and below the sea level. And as is the case, the, the icebergs, even though up close, so you see the one above sea level, you're like, wow, that's massive. Below the water, it's exponentially larger. And that is the perfect picture for the United Methodist denomination and what's going on within it right now. Because so many people want to talk about what's at the very, very tippy top of that iceberg and not all that it encompasses. Some would rather paint the vote to disaffiliate from the denomination as a portrait of hatred and bigotry. That's what they would want to do. That if, if, if a church or a church member chooses to leave the United Methodist denomination, that they have hatred in their heart or they're a bigot towards others. That, that we could hate people that Jesus gave his life for. And friends, that is absolutely not the case with the Porch Community Church. It's not. We truly, truly believe that all persons are of sacred worth, that, that Christ has given himself for all of humanity, and that all who repent and believe are given new life in Christ. We went so far <laughs> as to have our attorney request of the conference chancellor, their attorney, to consider removing some of the, the verbiage from the ballot because we felt so strongly that we didn't want to allow that portrait to be painted of us. If you look up here, you'll see the ballot that, we'll, um, that we will be required to use this Wednesday. Uh, it's, it's a pretty simple yes or no ballot. We did not write the ballot um, this is from the conference. This is the ballot that all the churches in South Georgia Conference will be, um, that want to disaffiliate, will be using to vote. They just changed the name to put their church name in there. Um, this is what our friends Park Avenue voted on uh, two, uh, a week and a half ago um, as well. Now, I want to read this ballot to you. It says, Shall the Porch Community Church Incorporated disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church for reasons of conscience over disagreements related to human sexuality or the actions or inactions of its annual conference related to these issues. Yes or no. So we requested the consideration of removing human sexuality from the ballot. The conference was not able to do that. They looked at it and they said it has to remain. But here's what happens though, and this is why I wanted to address this today. By framing the decision to disaffiliate, to be about human sexuality only, or worse, hatred towards others, what happens then is the larger, deeper theological differences, that iceberg, within the denomination are completely overlooked when you just make it about that. That's why we requested the language be removed. But I will tell you this, we are not, and we have not, 
we're not going to overlook these larger, deeper theological differences. We've talked about these issues often. In our Bible series in January, we talked about how Scripture can so easily be cherry-picked and proof-texted to say just about anything anyone wants it to say or approve or uphold. In our Toxic Theology series last month, we saw how several different types of isms, right, relativism, universalism, Several of these isms, that what they do is they can be attached to Christianity like a leech and suck the life out of it. They can be attached to Christianity and then suddenly twist and turn it and dilute the message or destroy the true purpose of the Christian faith. And that's what's happening. And so I would say this. When the Word of God, right, the Holy Scriptures... When the word of God is considered a flawed document, uninspired, less than primary, below human reasoning, below opinion, when when the divine nature of Jesus Christ is questioned, when when the way of salvation is is considered just this wide open road with many options beyond just Jesus. When, When words like sin and confession and repentance are not only deemed unimportant, but they're looked at as offensive. When truth moves on that sliding scale just based on our feelings. When these things happen, porch community, and they're happening, it's time for us to nobly and honorably mark yes and move on. I'm thankful for a conference that has not been punitive in its responses to churches that pursue disaffiliation, because some other conferences have been. I'm thankful that we have a bishop who wants to help churches go where they need to go. And I, and I believe that is a noble and honorable response in the name of Jesus. And so the decision rests with you, the ministry partners of the Porch Community Church. Six o'clock this Wednesday, you're eligible to vote if you're a ministry partner. Your participation is very important. The voting threshold is two-thirds majority. You'll be able to come in. You'll sit in sections based on your last name. Uh, The district is overseeing how everything will happen that night. Um, You'll get a paper ballot, which will say what our ballot says, which you can put it back up there to see it. You'll be able to mark it. You You could vote and then... Go on if you need to leave. If you have things to do, we'll certainly let people know the result of the vote that evening. Or you're welcome to stay as well and hear the decision. But as, as we leave that, the, the ballot up there, I want to I say this as we just kind of close out our time. If you believe in the doctrine of the divinity of Jesus, if you believe in the inerrant word of God, if you believe in the virgin birth, if you believe that the need for salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, if you believe that there's a need for confession and repentance, then a yes vote on the ballot is appropriate.
if you agree that the larger theological issues, the differences, then the understanding and the teaching and the practice of important doctrines go so much deeper than just human sexuality, then a yes vote is appropriate on the ballot. And if you believe that to remain in an embattled denomination that progressively confuses or destroys its witness for Jesus, then a yes vote on the ballot is appropriate. The word of God says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, for us to fix our thoughts on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, that we are to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And Porch Community, that is where our thoughts should be fixed as we consider the direction in which we go as a church. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. We do not come before you on our own standing, our own ability, our own knowledge, our own understanding. None of that. We stand before you as those who have been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that that we would have a spirit of humility even as we take steps, uh, firm steps, based on our understanding and conviction of, of Scripture, that those steps are humble steps. God, that we never lose sight of the opportunity to share the gospel with people who need to hear it. And no one is too far gone from you. Father, I pray for a gracious spirit to be in this place, a humble spirit to be in this place. Lord, that before we determine to to make any kind of mark on a ballot, that we would first ensure that we are right with you. Lord, that we would confess our sin. We would repent of our sin We would bring it before you. We would lay it down there at your feet. That we would be people who understand that we are in need of a Savior. It's only through Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ that we get salvation. So Lord, would you continue to be with us. Would you continue to direct us? God, would your will be done? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.